Holy Father in heaven, praise, honor, glory, and adoration be unto your holy name for giving us the privilege to be among the living today. Dear Lord, please consecrate us to your service and Lord, please feed us with spiritual meat with the manna from above that we may have strength for today's labor. We pray, Father, that you will give us grace to meet today's temptations that we may be built up and edified to become more like our Lord Jesus Christ. Please, Lord, put your words in my mouth that it may be indeed bread to those who will listen for the strength that they need. I also ask, Lord, that you grant to every one of us the grace and gifts of your Holy Spirit that we may imbibe what we learn and put it into practice. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, April 23 One Man's Sin Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 Achan had fostered covetousness and deception in his heart until his perceptions of sin had become blunted and he fell an easy prey to temptation. Those who venture to indulge in a known sin will be more readily overcome the second time. The first transgression opens the door to the tempter and he gradually breaks down all resistance and takes full possession of the citadel of the soul. Achan had listened to oft-repeated warnings against the sin of covetousness. The law of God pointed and positive had forbidden stealing and all deception, but he continued to cherish sin. As he was not detected and openly rebuked, he grew bolder. Warnings had less and less effect upon him until his soul was bound in chains of darkness. Shame, defeat, and death were brought upon Israel by one man's sin. That protection which had covered their heads in the time of battle was withdrawn. Various sins that are cherished and practiced by professed Christians bring the frown of God upon the church. The influence most to be feared by the church is not that of open opposers, infidels and blasphemers, but of inconsistent professors of Christ. These are the ones who keep back the blessing of the God of Israel and bring weakness upon the church, a reproach that is not easily wiped away. Christianity is not to be merely paraded on the Sabbath and displayed in the sanctuary. It is for every day in the week and for every place. Its claims must be recognized and obeyed in the workshop, at home, and in business transactions with brethren and with the world. It is better to die than to sin, better to want than to defraud, better to hunger than to lie. Let all who are tempted meet Satan with the words, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, 
that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Psalm chapter 128 verse 1 and 2. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is One Man's Sin and our key text is taken from Hebrews 13 verse 5 which says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. Looking at the journey of Israel through the wilderness and then crossing the Jordan, getting into Canaan but yet not possessing it, we can liken that as we have always done to our own pilgrim journey on this earth and all the challenges they met in the wilderness and to their on their way to Canaan we have already been seeing how these are the same challenges we face on our pilgrim journey and by the grace of God the Lord has been teaching us how to deal with these challenges telling us what not to do and what to do telling us how to meet the various temptations how to exercise faith which is the victory that overcomes the world and how to trust in the Lord our God today we are looking at something that is similar to the time just before we will get into the heavenly Canaan. Before getting into the heavenly Canaan, the Lord will expect purity and sanctification, complete one from every one of us. And so it was with the children of Israel. The Lord would want that there should be no sin in his people, that every one of them should be pure. And at that time, he made it clear what he wanted from them with the events that happened to the children of Israel as they were about to happen as they were about to enter Canaan just after the conquering of Jericho the children of Israel were supposed to go to a place called Ai and in that place they were supposed to conquer the people of course take over that place but the Lord had told them an instruction when they were conquering Jericho which uh, Joshua repeated this instruction to them over and over. Reading from Joshua chapter 6 verse 16 to 19 it says, And it came to pass, at the seventh time when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are daring to the Lord, only Rahab the harlot shall live. Verse 18, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing lest you make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of israel a curse and trouble it but all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the lord that ye they shall come into the treasury of the lord hmm. so two things are given to them here as instruction first of all there's something called the accursed thing this this accursed thing is referring to the possessions of the people in Jericho that were idols and things that were uh, not in harmony with the Lord's will that children of Israel should possess. It included dresses that were not in harmony with the way the children of Israel were supposed to dress. It included ornaments like the idols that they had no use for them. They were supposed to destroy them. These were the accursed things. But then there were the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron. Those things were not to be destroyed, but they were to be taken to the treasury of the Lord. 
which looks like, you know when you talk of the treasury of the Lord, like tithe, that's what that looked like. These two things were the instructions the Lord gave. Destroy the accursed thing and ensure that all the silver, gold, the brass goes to the treasury of the Lord. Anybody who takes those things to themselves are sinning against God. Now, there was no way, I think, for Joshua to know whether the people obeyed his instruction or not. But there was something that took place that made it apparent that something is wrong in the camp. In Joshua reading from verse chapter 7, here they were supposed to go and conquer Ai, like I said. But when they went, something strange happened to the children of Israel. Reading Joshua chapter 7 from verse 1, it says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven, on the east side of Bethel, and speak unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So they went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord, wherefore hast thou all at all brought these people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan? O Lord, what shall, what shall I say? when Israel turned their backs before their enemies. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, and shall environ us, and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Hmm. So why was it that the children of Israel were chased back? They just took about 3,000 people because the people of Ai were few. You see, the Lord had already said to them through Moses, when we looked at the blessings and the curses in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. The Lord said to them that if they keep his commandments, that it will happen that when they are few, they will chase many. And then if they do not keep the commandments, they will be many, but only a few people will chase them. That is in Deuteronomy chapter 28, reading from verse 7, it says, the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Also in the book of Leviticus 26, concerning these blessings that the Lord placed on them if they obey, Moses told them in Leviticus 26, reading from verse 7, he said, And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase an hundred, and an hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. But then he also told them that if they disobey, the opposite will happen. 
God said to them through Moses, reading Leviticus 26 verse 15, And if you shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments, verse 17 says, And I will set my face against you, and you shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when no man pursue it. So here it is clear why the children of Israel had it difficult against Ai. They were chased away by a few people, which shows that the Lord was not with them. So a question that will come to the mind is why were the children of Israel not permitted to take off any of the accursed things of Jericho to themselves? But when they went to places like uh, Heshbon, where they fought Og of Bashan, they took off the spoil. They didn't destroy some of those things. You see, there's a reason why. Reading from Patriarchs and Prophets, reading from Testimonies, Volume 3, page 264, paragraph 1, we are told, The word of the Lord to the people was, and you in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing lest you make yourselves accursed when you take up the accursed thing and make the camp of israel a curse and trouble it and joshua adjured them at that time saying cursed be the man before the lord that raised up the city now going to paragraph 2 he says god was very particular in regard to jericho lest the people should be charmed with the things that the inhabitants had worshipped and their hearts be diverted from god he guarded his people by most positive commands, yet notwithstanding the solemn injunction from God by the mouth of Joshua, Achan ventured to transgress. His covetousness led him to take of the treasures that God had forbidden him to touch because the curse of God was upon them. And because of this man's sin, the Israel of God were as weak as water before their enemies. For today, we are looking at this sin of Achan covetousness which made him to take of the accursed thing. And we can apply this to ourselves. As we near the borders of our heavenly Canaan, as we come closer to the celestial city, as we come closer to the second coming of Jesus, the Lord will look more closely upon us, whether we are pure or not, whether we have in us the accursed thing or not. And the Lord will not give us victories if we have any of the accursed thing in us. Our Lord Jesus could say of himself, the prince of this world cometh and findeth nothing in me. And that is what the people who are supposed to enter the heavenly Canaan ought to be like. They should have none of the accursed things in them. Remember that Jericho was the capital of vileness in the whole of Canaan. This city was known as the hub of iniquity and all kinds of evil were being practiced there. And we, the children of Israel, were not to take of any of those things which represent from us banishing every kind of evil from our lives, every, every, every form of worldliness, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. We are not to have any of those things in us. But in the destruction of Jericho, we are to cry aloud, spare not, and speak against these things. Both in our lives, crying aloud means speaking against it, and sighing, and sighing against it also means to remove it from our lives. Not just to speak against it, but to remove it from our lives. But what was, what was the result for Israel? The result, as we read in Conflict and Courage, page 119, paragraph 3 says, Shame, defeat, and death were brought upon Israel by one, by one man's sin. That protection which had covered their heads in the time of battle was withdrawn. Various sins, now hear this, various sins that are cherished and practiced 
by professed Christians bring the frown of God upon the church. So for us, we have to understand the accursed thing for us doesn't have to be any particular thing we mention, but the Lord is particular and tells us we should have no sin in our lives as we come close to our heavenly Canaan. But various sins that the church is practicing today represent the accursed things. There are many accursed things today with which God's people are to have nothing to do. Touching the accursed thing brings spiritual weakness to the church. When we look at the book of Ezekiel chapter 8 and 9, you realize the work of purification that the Lord will do and some accursed things, some abominations that we are not to practice and the result of practicing it is in, this, in chapter 9. But chapter 8 tells us the some of the abominations that the Lord does not want to see in his people, which maybe we will look at that in subsequent devotions. But we realize that the, the result of this one sin was that the church, Israel of God, became weak as water. And the Bible teaches us over and over that as a people, not just as individuals now, as a people, as a people group, the church of God, we lose power, we lose the presence of God with us, and we cannot have victories both individually and as a group when we have people in us or as a denomination, as a church, we are collectively holding on to the accursed thing in us. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 tells us concerning this. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 18 says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Chapter 10 verse 1 then says, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savour. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honour. Here the Lord is teaching us that one sin can destroy much good. Indeed, one sinner among the people destroys much good. And like dead flies will make a, an apothecary to, be, to have a stinking savour, so also will the people of God have a stinking savour before the Lord because they are dead flies which represent the sins among the people dead flies among the people which represent the sin of the people will make the church not to have a pleasant savour. Reading from Testimonies Volume 3, page 264, paragraph 2, we read, Achan ventured to transgress. His covetousness led him to take the treasures, take of the treasures that God had forbidden him to touch because the curse of God was upon them. And because of this man's sin, Israel, the Israel of God was as weak as water before her enemies. End of quote. Is the church as weak as water today? Christianity as a body of people are losing their power today. They indeed are as weak as water. They have touched various accursed things. Not only have they touched it, but they have dissembled also the way it can dissembled. And someone will wonder, what, what do you mean? How is the church touching the accursed thing? The Lord will explain to us. I wouldn't say it myself. We'll read it from the word of God. You know, the time of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel wrote concerning the end time and the things that apply to us today. It was also in his time that the Lord spoke concerning this in the book of Ezekiel 21, reading from verse 1. Because of the accursed thing like it was in Israel, the sin of the people, the people who died in that war were not the ones that sinned. Achan was the one who sinned, but other people suffered for it. So also, 
here the lord said the same thing will happen the righteous will suffer because of the wickedness of the wicked ezekiel 21 reading from verse 1 says and the word of the lord came unto me saying son of man set thy face towards jerusalem and drop thy words towards the holy places and prophesy against the land of israel and say to the land of israel thus says the lord behold i am against thee and will draw forth my sword out of his sheath and will cut off from thee the righteous and the wicked seeing then that i will cut off from thee the righteous and the wicked therefore shall my sword go forth out of his sheath against all flesh from the south to the north that all flesh may know that i the lord have drawn forth my sword out of his sheath it shall not return any more sigh therefore thou son of man with the breaking of thy loins and with bitterness sigh before their eyes and it shall be when they say unto thee wherefore sighest thou that thou shalt answer for the tidings because it cometh and every heart shall melt and all hands shall be feeble and every spirit shall faint and all knees shall be weak as water behold it cometh and shall be brought to pass saith the lord god like I said, the church is as weak as water when the Lord is against it. The Lord does not just turn his back against the church but has clearly stated in his word the things that we do that makes him to be against us. Look at those words again in Ezekiel 21 verse 3. The Lord said to, to, to Ezekiel, tell them, behold, I am against thee. If God was against Israel for their sins, do you know that today the Lord can be against his church today? Verily so, because the Lord is no respecter of any person. Some people want to make themselves believe, oh, we are God's church, God can never turn his back on us. I told you that. We are told that we should be careful that if Israel, who was the chosen one, was cut off away, how much more we who are grafted in do not even boast at all because the Lord can verily do without us and cut us off if we do repeat the same things that Israel did. Oh, verily, the Lord will be against us. And what was the result? The righteous will be slain along with the wicked. The Lord said there in Ezekiel 21 verse 4, Seeing then that I will cut off from thee the righteous and the wicked, therefore shall my sword go forth out of his sheath. So, the Lord does not just turn his back against the church, but has clearly stated in his word the things that we do that make him turn against us. As we read, when the Lord is against the church, even the righteous are affected. And for us today, when the sins are practiced by the church and people are aware of it, what do you think will happen to those who are not participating in the sins that some members of the church are participating in? When they go out for battles of the Lord to preach the word of God, what do you think will happen? They wouldn't listen to them because they would throw the sins of, uh, of their members on their faces and they will not be able to get victories in any evangelism they go for. You see, I've been to evangelisms where the accursed thing is among the people and those who we are trying to reach out to will point it out. Look at the accursed thing in your members. We cannot listen to you. But what are these accursed things? You see, in Ezekiel 20, 22 verse 1, God explained so that we will not be in the dark concerning what he's saying is the accursed thing and the sin that was in the people that made him to say to them through Ezekiel that I'm going to bring out my sword and I'm against the people, the righteous and the wicked will both fall. Ezekiel 22, reading from verse 1. Now, in case you are wondering, what are these accursed things? Maybe I should start with the one in Jeremiah because Jeremiah and Ezekiel lived at the same time and there was this same question coming from the people. The people were asking, what is the thing that we have done? that is making the Lord to come against us. 
Jeremiah 16, reading from verse 10, says, And it shall come to pass, when thou shalt show these people all these words, and they shall say unto thee, Wherefore has the Lord pronounced all this great evil against us? Or, what is our iniquity? Or, what is our sin that we have committed against the Lord our God? Then shalt thou say unto them, Because your fathers have forsaken me, saith the Lord, and have walked after other gods, and have served them, and have worshipped them, and have forsaken me, and have not kept my law, and you have done worse than your fathers. For behold, you walk every man after the imagination of his evil heart, that they may not hearken unto me. Therefore I will cast you out of this land into a land that ye know not, neither you nor your fathers, and there shall ye serve other gods day and night, where I will not show you favor. So one of the things we see is idolatry. Is there idolatry among us? Verily so. In various ways, there are very many species of idolatry. But I want to go now to Ezekiel 22, reading from verse 1 in Ezekiel 21. That was where the Lord told them that I will set my face against you because of your sins. So in Ezekiel 22, then God begins to delineate specifically, so specific, what the accursed thing is in his people that makes him to be against them. Ezekiel 22, and we will apply these things to ourselves. Reading from verse 1 now says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Now, thou son of man, will thou judge? Will thou judge the bloody city? Yea, thou shalt show her all her abominations. Then say thou, Thus said the Lord God, the city shedded blood in the midst of it, that her time may come, and maketh idols against herself to defile herself. Hmm. I'm wondering, what is, how does the church do this today? In various ways, like I said. Today, we are in the church are making gifts for one another, giving, engaging in some form of idolatry in the celebration of certain kind of uh, days that the world have set out for themselves. For example, the Easter. All these things, do we have any injunction from the Word of God to do it? Or is it the real idolatry among some churches where they are making idols of Mary? And today, you see people where on their chest, they put pictures of pastors, G-O, um, by the God of this person is my God. And it's as if they are, they are even worshipping men as their idols. You go to people's offices, you see those picture idols there, and they feel like, oh, I need to have this person's picture in my house, or I need to wear the picture of this pastor on my neck to bring good favor to myself. That particular thing they are wearing on their neck, whether it is a chalet, whether it is a picture, whether it is the rosary, all of them are forms of idols in the people. Going on in verse 4, it says, Thou art become guilty in thy blood that thou hast shed, and hast defiled thyself in thine idols which thou hast made, and thou hast caused thy days to draw near, and hast come even unto thy years. Therefore have I made thee a, a reproach unto the heathen and the mocking to all countries. Those that be near and those that be far from thee shall mock thee, which are infamous and much vexed. Verse 6 now says, Behold, the princes of Israel, every one of them were in thee to their power to shed blood. In thee have they set light by father and mother. In the midst of thee have they dealt by oppression with the stranger. In thee have they vexed the fatherless and the widow. Thou hast despised mine holy things and hast profaned my Sabbath. Take note that the Lord is saying, Here are your abominations. So all these things are abominations. They are the accursed things in God's eyes. And we are seeing here again this disrespect towards father and mother, also oppression of the stranger, 
vexing the fatherless and the widow and then among that we are hearing now despising the holy things by profaning the sabbath for those who even know that there's something called a sabbath to observe how many really keep the sabbath day holy there are many who would go and do the things that the lord said they should not do on the sabbath and claim that they are sabbath keepers they are not any different from those who are not keeping the sabbath when you take uh, you you go ahead to buy things on the sabbath you did not prepare you go ahead to do the preparation that's supposed to have been done in your food you do that on the sabbath day itself where you should have done it before the sabbath some even go to work attend weddings attend occasions on the sabbath and even when they do the sabbath services itself they've turned it now to days for birthday celebrations and for celebrating other men and i want us to properly consider what i am saying now because it may sound strange to you but properly consider if the sabbath day is a day of the lord thy god should we change it to mother's day pastor's day father's day and all whatnot has the the lord not given us six days for us to do that if you even if it's even appropriate to do that to pay take particular day to remember mothers and fathers who really gave us that is that not some form of idolatry are you not supposed to remember your father and mother every day should we set one day aside for the worship of father and mother and i know many will say oh no we're not worshiping them but who gave you the instruction to have special days for people in honor to them is that of god or did you learn it from the world certainly it was not from god but it was learned from the world and it is being brought into the church they are cursed things And like I said, properly consider what I'm reasoning because I know that in uh, uh, imbibing everything the world is doing, none of us, many people do not scrutinize it. They just accept everything the world is doing without proper scrutiny. The Sabbath day is the day of the Lord. And then when you say that day, which is Sabbath, is this person's day or that person's day, are you not taking it away from God? Are you not profaning the Sabbath? When you, have a, when you have appropriated it to another person and then the focus of the Sabbath is no longer on God but on that person, men's day, women's day and the likes. I think we should properly consider, consider that. And also, more blatantly, the defiling and profaning of the Sabbath is an accursed thing too in respect to going to write exams, taking your children, you know very well, taking them to write exams on Sabbath and the children, the adults themselves going for interviews, going to work and going to occasions and fixing programs including their birthdays on Sabbath. This is a profaning of the Sabbath. This is Achan touching the accursed thing. And as we near the heavenly king and the Lord is bringing these things to our mind to tell us, look, you continue like this, the church will not have victories because I have been in situations when I go to preach to people and then they will point to me they are cursed and I cannot have victory. They will tell me, I saw your people having party on the same day you call Sabbath day. What is the party? You are doing send forth for your members on Sabbath. Is that not party and there's eating and drinking and then the day has been turned from God. The focus is no longer on God but it's on those set of people whether it is in the schools sent forth or in the church pastors sent forth all those things done on sabbath instead of the people to be thinking of god on that day the lord's day has now been diverted and been put for a man it is now that man that is the focus of the day no longer god you can't tell me you have not seen in doing that you know the children of israel when jeremiah was trying to convince them of their sin they will say oh we are we have not done any evil and the lord will say to them look i have not found your evil by secret search it is very apparent go look at thy way wherein you have sinned jeremiah chapter 2 reading from verse 23 
God saying to the people and saying to us today, How can thou say, I am not polluted? I have not gone after Balim. See thy way in the valley. Know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways. Verse 35 Yet thou sayest, Because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead with thee, because thou sayest, I have not sinned. Why gathest thou 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 about so much to change thy way? Thou also shalt be ashamed of Egypt, as thou was of Syria. So it's a, it's something that people may be asking, where have I sinned? I'm not sinned, I'm innocent. No, you're not innocent. If you are doing these things I have just listed, the Lord is saying these are the accursed things before we enter our heavenly king and we need to examine ourselves and ensure that if we are going for any of these battles, going for the ministry, we cannot be doing these things. Going on, the Lord listing the things that the people have done wrong now. Ezekiel 22, reading from verse 9, it says, Indeed are men that carry tails to shed blood, and indeed they eat upon, mount, upon the mountains in the midst of thee. They commit lewdness. Wow! Is this not happening in the church? Three things that were listed here. Gossiping. Secondly, eating upon the mountains, which is like going to attend feasts for other gods, and also committing lewdness. Mm. The church is being divided today by people who are involved in church politics, spreading lies among themselves so that they can have position. It is the same thing as like what the Lord says, men that carry tales to shed blood. That is what is happening. People are carrying tales indeed to shed blood. And then there is the other one, they are committing lewdness. Then verse 10 says, indeed, they have, have they discovered discovered thy father's nakedness indeed have they humbled her that was set apart for pollution and one has committed abomination with his neighbor's wife and another has lewdly defiled his daughter-in-law and another indeed has humbled his sister his father's daughter here lewdness what is lewdness it has to do with dress lewd anything that is done to arouse sexual thoughts and impure thoughts in the sexual dimension in the minds of people is there lewdness in the church? Verily so, both by the men and the women. Lewdness in the church, which leads to the next thing, committing abomination with neighbors' wives. People sleeping with each other's wives in the church and even outside the church. And another has lewdly defied his daughter-in-law. Pornography is in the phones of many people who are entering into the church. With their phones in the church, there is pornography inside it. They don't even delete it when coming to church. They hold that phone with its pornography inside it while they're in church. The history of their browsing still contains every page, pornographic page they have been to right there in the church. Oh, there is indeed an accursed thing among the people. The Lord goes on and on to list these things concerning what the people has done in verse 26. He says, Her priests have violated my law and has profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among the people. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening the prey, to shed blood, and to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. 
Verse 29 says, The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. You see, these are some of the things that are happening and we need to examine ourselves. Are we like Achan? Do we have the accursion among us? The Lord did not grant us victories. You will go for many evangelisms and you cannot preach the truth to the people because the people right there with you in the evangelism are partaking of the accursion. Like I was saying, I've been in situations where you go for evangelisms and the people in the land will point to the, the church and say look at the way your members are dressing look at the way they are dressing and then you lose the victory you cannot convince the people of the truth because of other people who have the accursed thing with them and then they ask look at the way your services are conducted it is done like it is a party a carnival and the people who are there will say no you lose the victory you cannot convince them with the word of God to follow the truth why because there are people like Achan in the church who are holding on to a babylonish garment you know that was specifically what aaron took what Achan took a babylonish garment some people come for evangelisms to good because the evangelisms are like going for crusades to in a sense conquer error in people's lives but to give them the truth and when we go to do that and people are wearing babylonish garments dressed like Jer- people from jericho how do you expect to get the victory when Achan is in the camp? We will not get the victory. And many times you see it happen. I've seen evangelists where I've gone for and I've asked some years later. Maybe it's now like nine years later and I just asked, what of that church? You say it is no longer existing. Why? It couldn't be sustained. Why couldn't it be sustained? The Lord was against his people. The Lord did not give the victory. We are not to be in this condition. We are to ensure that there is no Achan in the camp. And there's something that can be done about it because when you have this one sin one man's sin it will make the battle to be lost reading from thoughts from the mount of blessing page 94 paragraph 2 it says the strongest bulwark of vice in our world is not the iniquitous life of the abandoned sinner or the degraded outcast it is that life which otherwise appears virtuous honorable and noble but in which one sin is fostered, one vice indulged. To the soul that is struggling in secret against some giant temptation, trembling upon the very verge of the precipice, such an example is one of the most powerful enticements to sin. He who endowed with high conceptions of life and truth and honor does yet willfully transgress one precept of God's holy law, has perverted his noble gifts into a lure to sin genius talent sympathy even generous and kindly deeds may become decoys of satan to entice other souls over the precipice of ruin for this life and the life to come love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world First John 2 verse 15 and 16 end of quote one sin one sin will cause someone else to fall over the brink of the precipice especially like it said here this kind of sin that is publicly seen when the church is in public sin you see the church in politics today and they are even going to vote on the sabbath day they are profaning the sabbath and they are expecting to get the victories oh the people the, the, the name of the church is being blasphemed in the eyes of many and people of god the church of god is being mocked because of one sinner one sinner destroyed much good you see now that when the people in the church are involved in politics and the church itself is now being it's now partaking of it 
they start to stink in the nostrils of the people of the world because the church is now joined to things like that like we read conflict and courage page 119 paragraph 5 christianity is not merely is not to be merely paraded on the sabbath and displayed in the sanctuary it is for every day in the week and for every place its claims must be recognized and obeyed in a workshop at home and in business transactions with brethren and with the world end of quote when do you think that christianity is only in the church and practice it and then when you go out you start to practice like Achan, they are cursed things then that sin is going to destroy the church because people are going to be looking at you. You represent God everywhere you go. It's not just on, not just on, uh, on, the, on. The, it's not just when you go to church that you represent God. But every day of the week, you are to represent God. Reading from messages to young people, page thirty-six, paragraph two, we are told: the fear of the Lord lies at the foundation of all true greatness, integrity. Unswerving integrity is the principle that you need to carry with you into all the relations of life. Take your religion into your school life, into your boarding house, into all your pursuits. The important question with you now is how to so choose and perfect your studies that you will maintain the solidity and purity of an untarnished Christian character, holding all temporal claims and interests in subjection to the higher claims of the gospel of Christ. End of quote. You see, now that we have seen the consequences of sin, we can indeed conclude and say, like we read in our devotion in paragraph 6 it says it is better to die than to sin better to want than to defraud better to hunger than to lie let all who are tempted meet satan with the words blessed is everyone that feareth the lord that walketh in his ways for thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands happy shall thou be and it shall be well with thee end of quote psalms 128 verse 1 and 2 end of quote Brothers and sisters, I know that the things that have been said here are things that will cause contemplation in the mind. Pray about it and ask the Lord, do not rebel against the truth because this one sin, one sin will affect many and we need to be pure. We will keep looking at this topic in subsequent devotions. Let us pray. Our dear Father in heaven, open our eyes, O Lord, that we may properly examine ourselves that we may not have the accursed thing among us and cause many others to fall because of our sin. In past times, we have done this and because of our own sin, the church has lost its victories. Please forgive us for these things and help us to properly examine ourselves that we may take away from us the accursed thing, that we may be pure before you. Do this and take the glory in Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. <music>